We're going to be in Luke chapter 22 tonight. If you want to head over there. Now, we drive a lot, and the uh, Lord's been very gracious to us, you know, 20, 25,000 miles a year or so, and, and I've not been in accidents, uh, but some of my closest calls, like normal, have been in Ponca City. One I remember particularly is driving into work, and uh, you just got a two-lane uh, road there, and uh, so actually four, two each way, and I'm driving at, at a stoplight, and, uh, you know, a long stoplight for us is like three in a row. You know, if there's three of us in a row, it's like, oh, man, this is going to be a busy day. You know, so there's three or four of us. We pull out, and we're going down Fort Trent Street, which is our main road through town. And uh, we're driving, and it's been a few years back. And you know this because cars are different today. Okay, this probably wouldn't happen today. But we're going, and there's an elderly lady beside me. And uh, I'm one of those people just kind of, I'm, I'm always on the defensive. We drive a lot, and I'm just always watching. And luckily, I was watching her, so she's here, and, and I'm right here, and I'm in what's called her blind spot. Now, again, with new technology, you don't have a blind spot, because the car goes beep, 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 but didn't have that, and all of a sudden, she said, I like his lane better, and literally just came over, and uh, luckily, you know, I'm paying attention, and I see this car moving, and I look, she's not paying attention, man, I slam on my brakes, I head to the curb, and I, I, mean, I had to miss it by inches, just miss me. And I'm thinking, now when that happens, you have an immediate reaction. Mine is, are you kidding me? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but mine was, inside, I'm like, I, how could you not, why did you cut me off? And literally I'm driving, and I'm thinking, I don't know this woman, and she just cut me off. And it's like the Holy Spirit said, right. In other words, it wasn't on purpose. You know, isn't it funny when someone does that, we think it's on purpose? And then as I'm still driving, and, and I'm a little frustrated and going, man, I can't believe she didn't even look, and... I even looked down, and she never changed. She's like, mm. To this day, she has no idea she cut me off, okay? Oh, I know it, but she has no idea. And it made me think for a minute, how many times have I cut somebody else off? Oh, we never think about that, do we? You say, I don't know. Diggs, that's the whole point. We don't really do that on purpose. In other words, it wasn't designed that she cuts me off, some guy she doesn't know, but it happened. And as I got there, I realized I was just at her blind spot. In other words, she didn't see me. She just didn't see me. She's going about her days and didn't see me. And I tell you that because tonight I want to talk about that. Uh, I believe all of us have what's known as blind spots. I, I really do. And uh, we're going to try to reveal some of those tonight. And we're going to look at a guy that gets a bad rap all the time. But I'll be honest. I'm glad that I'm not in the Bible like most of these guys. No, seriously, it, it, I don't know if you realize this, but we kind of get to a glimpse of their life and a, a lot of times the negative. You know what I'm saying? Their sins are mentioned. How many say I'm glad my sins aren't mentioned in the Bible for 2,000 years? Yeah, but stop and think about that. You know, you're Peter and David, and you're like, oh, those guys, man, they're so wicked. Really? You want, you want your life in there? I'm like, thank you, God, for not putting me in there. Not only would I not make it, and I don't deserve it, but I don't want everybody to know everything. You know what I'm saying? And so, but this guy's there, and we go, oh, Peter, come on. So we're going to look at Peter and his great sin for just a minute. So it's not new to you, but I'm hoping to give you just an angle that maybe would help uh, enlighten us a little bit. So stand with me, Luke 22. It's right after Luke 21, if you haven't found it yet. I'm just trying to be helpful. <clears throat> just going to read a short passage here. Most of you are familiar with, this is where Peter denies in uh, Jesus Christ, but before that, in uh, verse 31, Jesus begins to talk to him and says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. 
but I have prayed for thee. By the way, aren't you glad he prays for us? I mean, stop thinking about that. I know that was why he was on earth, but he is our intercessor. I mean, I, I think about that and that God, Jesus is down here on earth praying for people and we pray to him. I mean, it's amazing how much he thinks about us. And then it says that thy faith fell not. Don't miss it. That thy faith fell not. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Peter did, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Lord, I come to you now, and Lord, help us now to understand the truth that is written herein. Give me just the words you want me to speak tonight. Open up the hearts to receive, Lord, and may this be an encouragement and a strength to us, Lord. May it reveal to us maybe some things that others see that, Lord, um, we've ignored, and Lord, some things that would strengthen us in our, our marriages, our lives, our Christian walk. Lord, that we might do more for you, and we thank you and praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> Like I said, I, I don't like to give a, a bad rap to Peter, and here's why. I've got a, a lot of Bible college in me, okay? Uh, I mean, besides just all the education I've taken, and I don't talk a lot about my education, but I've uh, gone to school for a long time, and not because I failed. I know what you're thinking, you know, but I like to study. I, I read on the side. I love theology, uh, and I really do, and I like some of the deeper stuff, and and uh, so I like apologetics and things like that and defense of the faith. And I enjoy those conversations. I really do. That's kind of my, my wheelhouse that I enjoy. Uh, but in that, I also taught a Bible college for 20 years. And so you do all that and you spend a lot of time in the word, a lot of time teaching and getting all that. But can I be honest with you? I would trade all of it for three and a half years with Jesus. That's what Peter had. Three and a half years. I'm, I'm going to tell you, my education doesn't come close to walking three and a half years with Jesus. I can't even fathom what they saw and what they know talking with God himself. It is beyond my comp comprehension. It really is. It's amazing to me to think about this. And these disciples are with him every day and they see him. And, and I know there's a conflict as they see this man and yet he's God. And, and they see him eat and sleep and all that kind of stuff, but he's God. And they go through all this. And in the midst of this, I, I really believe as you look at this story, God, Jesus stops him right here and says, Peter, listen, Satan wants you really bad, and you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's response is this. No, I'm not, Lord. I would die for you. And I need you to understand this. I believe him. I don't believe that uh, uh, in this situation he was faking it. I don't believe he was insincere. I'm going to be honest with you. I think Peter really thought, I'm going to die for you, and I'm ready. I am so ready. I've been with you for three and a half years. I've seen the Jews. I've been willing to fight. I've got my sword. Matter of fact, we even know in the, in the garden he pulls his sword. You know, cuts off the guy's ear. I mean, we know this story. This guy isn't lying when he says, I will die for you. But can I tell you, he wasn't ready. No, he wasn't ready. He thought he was ready, but he wasn't ready. And here's why. He had a blind spot and didn't realize it. As I said, we all do. Some of us have what I call personal blind spots. You've got some, some people in here, some young people and so forth, and you know, or, or maybe some young adults and they're dating right now. And let's just be honest, they don't go together. And we all know it. They just don't know yet. She's way too pretty for him. Can we just be honest right now? She's got it all together. He does not. There's a problem here. And uh, now, you, and you, so you see those things going, it doesn't match, not going to work. I mean, this is not a match at all. You know, we see that. Some of my favorites are, you know, a lot of times that personal person that has bad breath, 
body odor. And by, by the way, can I help you? Nobody purposely has bad breath and body odor. It just happens. I mean, I don't leave the day going, woohoo, man, am I going to offend somebody. Man, here we go. And, and you know, bad, no, but come on, let's just be honest. Sometimes we do. But you ever notice the person with that bad breath or body odor, they always get in your space. It's like, hey, how you doing? You know, it's never, hey, how you doing? It's like right here. I take the sit back. I'm fine. You know, it's like, oh, no. You know, say, but, I mean, come on, let's just be honest. That's the way it works. In other words, you have these situations about you. I found out myself. I've got a blind spot I never knew. I gulp my coffee. No, it's a major sin. I know. But we're at one of these couples retreats and one of those question and answer times. So one of the questions asked, does your husband do anything that irritates you? I'm like, no. <laughs> of course not. She goes, oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that was quick. <laughs> it's a little too fast, as a matter of fact. She goes, and this, I never knew this. She goes, he gulps his coffee in the morning. And I'm like, what? I do not. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'll gulp my coffee. I, no. So the next morning I get up. Oh. I gulped my coffee. I couldn't figure out why, but I, I don't like hot stuff. <laughs> but I love hot coffee. And so it's always hot, and I hate burning my tongue. So my first drink is, just got to make sure it doesn't burn. And now it's a habit. Now every sip, I can do this all night. Now, literally in the morning, consciously, I'm going, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Why? Never knew it. Never, I, never, I never knew it until my wife finally said, he gulped his coffee. Now I'm curious, what else do I do? And then I'm like, do I want to know? Do you really? I love watching one of my favorite. Um, I'll talk about one of my carnal sins. Are you ready? Gossipers, write this down. You'll like this. Um, I like American Idol, which I haven't seen in years, and America's Got Talent. Yeah, I see some of you like it too. You know why? <laughs> They're horrible. <laughs> no, I love it. I first got hooked on American Idol. My, my wife walks around, because I'm not a big music person. She's like, why are you watching this? I'm like, because it's funny. No, it really is. I'm, I'm talking years ago when it first came out. And you got this girl up there singing, and she sings like me. <laughs> you know, it's eh, eh, eh. And then, of course, they start talking to you. I'm sorry, honey, you just you don't have the voice. And then you'll hear this coming from her. I don't care what you say. I'm going to be a professional singer. <laughs> and it hit me. I'm like, no, you're not. And I'm literally cracking up. I'm crying. I'm like, she's bad. But here's what happened. Your grandma and mom said, you can do anything. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, seriously. I, I know that's what we're taught today. You can do what God's given you to do and the ability he's given you to do. But can I help you? Not all of you can sing in the choir. I know it's just, I'm going to let that sink in because some of you are looking at me funny right now. You know, uh, you're, but what about the Bible says, let a joyful noise be made to the Lord in the congregation. <laughs> said nothing about the choir. Don't misinterpret the Bible. Okay, but I, I'll watch that, and some of these acts will get up there, and I'm like, they're so bad. And I'm like, how did you go on national TV with that act? I mean, how did you show up with that, thinking you're actually good? And what it is, it's this. It's like, they're blind, and some of them, I think, I know, do it for fun, but others, they're serious. They really think. And they're one of my favorite. It's been like 20 years ago, all these shootings, and a guy went off in Pennsylvania, and walked into a place trying to find his ex-girlfriend and just started shooting people. He left a note. Had a hard time getting a date for 20 years. And he says, I work out. I'm a good guy and I'm a nice guy. And he just shot seven people. 
Killed seven, I think, wounded eight. I'm like, I'm not so sure about that nice guy thing. I'm thinking maybe for 20 years, a whole bunch of women went, there's something wrong with this guy. I'm mean, serious, you know what I'm saying? In other words, we go on and on. Everybody's got personal blind spots. But we're really, really not here to talk about that, are we? But we are here to talk about spiritual blind spots. When I look at this man, this is what I see. And I want to talk about some spiritual blind spots that are evident here. We begin right at the beginning. Jesus stops him and says, Simon, Simon, we know what time this is. We're taking Jesus away, and, and we're going to go into the trial and the crucifixion. Verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, don't miss that. In other words, the first thing he says, the spiritual blind spot is here. Hey, 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 Peter, listen, Satan is coming for you. Now, hey, wake up. He's coming for you. And here's his goal. He wants to sift you. That word sift means to separate. In other words, his goal is I want to separate you from the pack. I want to isolate you from the pack. Why? Because he wants to destroy you. Why? Because he understood Peter was going to be the leader of the church. Peter was going to guide the church into that next dispensation and phase that God had set up. And in that, Satan says, I'm coming after you, buddy. And remember, Peter's like, no, I got this, man. I got this. And he's like, no, 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 listen. I'm telling you, Satan has a target on you. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know what? We're no different than Peter. Can I remind you? You, you know it's true, but we don't think about it. Satan hates you. Do you not understand that you're a target? Do you not understand that spiritually he will spend the rest of your life, your mortal life, designing traps to ruin your life? He'll take a year, five years, ten, no, no, ten, no, it's, brother, um, don't say this, it's inch by inch, it, it's right. You know, he plays the long game. He doesn't care if you win the battle right now. He's after the war, man. And we walk around this life forgetting that Satan is after us. I don't know if you've ever been stalked, but that'd be, that'd be a freaky thing. Let's stop and think about that. I mean, probably applying to the ladies more than the men, you know, but I, I would say if you're a lady and uh, you had somebody stalk you, that would freak you out. Can you imagine going to Walmart and there's a guy there and he's just like this? And you walk in the store and he follows you? I gotta be careful, I don't wanna be known as a creepy preacher. But all of a sudden he just follows you? He's down this aisle, then that aisle. I mean, you're dialing your husband. You're calling. He's probably showing up. When he shows up, the guy kind of walks away. But then all of a sudden, he knows your car and follows you home. You get into your car, get into your house. You're looking about two or three houses down. He's parked across the street. You call the police, and about that time, the guy's there for just a little bit. He drives off. By the time the police arrive, he's gone. A couple days later, you see him again. A couple days later, you see him again. Anybody freaking out yet? You have a stalker. I want to ask you, what would you do? Would you go, ah, okay, sirrah, sirrah. It's just like, no, some of you, you're like, I'm not going outside. I got to get a bodyguard. I can't do anything. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got this guy following me. There's a freak following me. There is. His name's Satan. And you can't run and hide from him. Some people in Christianity think this way. I'll just avoid Satan. William... William McLean lived in the Shenandoah Valley in the late 1800s, about 1861. There was a big battle called Bull Run, if you're familiar with it. Probably the bloodiest battle in the Civil War that took place. William McLean was a very peaceful guy and said, I want nothing to do with this. He literally, because of that battle, sold his property and moved to one of the most remote places he could find. That's where he went. As the Civil War came to an end, Probably no one was happier than him because the war was coming to an end. But as it came to his end, and 
Lee and Grant were fighting. They finally came up with a truce, and they, they, they decided to have the truth in Appomattox, if I'm not mistaken, Virginia. And they picked a little bit of cabin out in the wilderness. And that little bit of cabin, yes, was owned by Mr. William McLean. And the guy that did everything he could to avoid the war ended up having two major armies on his property as they signed a truce. And when I read that, I thought about this. You can't outrun it. Can I tell you something? You have one choice. Fight. 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 You have an enemy coming after you. You want to be passive and lay down? He will eat you up. He will separate you from the pack. He will attack. He has a plain merciful. And I, I'm not feeling good. And you, you don't understand. I've had a bad life and everything. And, and maybe he'll leave me alone go for somebody else. He doesn't play that way. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking, seeking whom he may devour. Let me help you. Are you ready? You know what, why you should grow in your faith? Because if you think about wild animals, they pick the weakest. Hang on. They pick the weakest. They'll head for everybody. But if you're like, I, I'm just not strong enough, and I'm not going to grow in my faith, and I've got saving faith, but not great faith, and I'm a little faith, and you better hang on. Why? You're food. Now, your food, I don't think I like this. Well, I don't like it either. You say, what do I do? Grow in your faith. You better grow and you better learn and you better learn his devices. Second Corinthians tells us we know the devices of Satan. You better understand them. You better put guards up. Why? Because he's hunting you. I'm not a hunter, <clears throat> but our church, is this a hunting church? How many of you hunt? How many of you go to Walmart like me? Thank you, thank you. I'm not a hunter, but I know hunting. I know what you do. I can be a hunter. It doesn't seem that hard. You say, what do you mean? I mean come on. You go put feet out two months ahead of time. <laughs> Ooh, big job. Drive my truck, get out. <laughs> Food. Oh, and a camera. <laughs> go to work. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, that's a nice one. Two months from now, you and me are going to be friends. Then I pick a day. Oh, it's a nice day. Looks like a good day. <laughs> get up, drive out there, get in my blind, get my coffee, my gun. Because that buck's been coming here for two months. Oh, seriously, you've been feeding that baby for two months and just setting the food out, setting the food out. And you're telling your wife this is hard work. You're a liar. <laughs> you're a liar. No, I, I know what to do. And so you've got that all set up and here comes a buck, and you aim, you take the shot, and the guy has no idea what's coming. He's just thinking, this is DoorDash every day. I love this place, man. And then one day, DoorDash isn't fun anymore. And he's getting a little fat and enjoying, and the guard's coming down because he's been going there every day, and it was some good food. And next thing you know, here's pop, head comes up. That's the last thing he remembers. I just spiritually explained how Satan works to you. He will feed you and give you things and, and uh, tempt you and test you and give you pleasures here and there and let you enjoy. And you're looking around, it looks pretty safe to me. You know, I'm, I'm not getting in trouble for this. It's working out pretty good. He's like, mm -hmm. he keeps luring you a little farther, a little farther, a little farther. You feel like everything's good. You start ignoring everything you've been taught. Then when you least expect it, pop. Your life just changed. Your life just changed. Can I remind you? Satan's coming for you. And if the leader of the church, Peter, didn't recognize it and fell, 
Who are we? Folks, spiritual blind spots, never think, never think that you've arrived. The fact of the matter is we always have to be on guard for Satan. Number two, he says this, I would die for you. And again, I believe he's serious. The second thing I notice here are spiritual blind spots. I notice there's a great blind spot when it comes to our enemy, Satan. Even though we know he's real, it's like we, we don't really act every day like he's real. The second thing is our service. It's interesting to me that uh, Peter said, I would die for you, and he meant it, but he wasn't even close ready yet. Now, by the way, can I tell you? He does die later on for Jesus Christ. This wakes him up. As a matter of fact, uh, in this verbiage here, there's a word used. You can take a look at it. The Bible says in verse 32, but I prayed for thee, man, praise God for that, that thy faith fail not. You're going to come under heavy attack, praying you don't fail, and, not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, now that word converted is, is like the word that we use for conversion, okay? Um, but that word for converted actually means this, change. When, now, again, let me help you with that. Some preachers may preach, and I'm not here to contradict or attack anybody, may say, hey, Peter wasn't saved, and I'm going to be honest, I believe Peter was saved, okay? I, I really do. I think Peter was fully saved here. And I get why some people can misunderstand this if you just kind of not look at it in depth. But that word converted does mean change. And so, yes, when we get saved, by the way, when you get saved, behold, old things pass away, all things become new. Do you remember that? One of the evidences of salvation is a change. Is that not true? That's why we call, it's called a conversion. I got converted, I changed. The Spirit of God came in, it changed my life. But it does mean just to change. So that same word is used to say, well, hey, when you get converted, in other words, when you change, he says you're going to strengthen your brethren. In other words, Jesus knew his weakness. Jesus sees Satan coming. Jesus already knows tonight you're going to fail. Why do you know that? We already read those verses. Peter goes, I'll die for you. And Jesus says, no, you won't. He's not right now. You're going to deny me three times. What? what? He goes, but I prayed for you. And when you're converted, when you finally change and you get to where you need to be, you're going to strengthen your brethren. His service wasn't where he thought it would be. Can I talk to you as a pastor for just a minute? Most people think they're serving God more than they are. I'm going to be real honest with you. Now, we have a great amount of servants at our church, uh, probably like your church, way above average. Uh, the stat is 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Uh, we, we really are. We're way above that. We just had a servant's banquet. Probably had 150, 180 people show up you know, uh, at that, of people that literally serve in a ministry in our church. But even within that, here, here's what I've noticed. We think we do more for God than we really do. And I think sometimes we have to stop and evaluate. I don't like our members to get burned out, but can I be honest with you? It's been a long time since I've had to go to somebody and say, hey, I'm going to take you out of this ministry because you're doing too much. Are you with me? No, no, really, I've done that. I've literally had to stop and say, I, I appreciate what you're doing, but you need to have family time, and I don't want you to get burned out, and we're going to move you, okay? So we do. We move them from that ministry. But most of the time, it's like, hey, hey, we need a nursery worker. <laughs> Pastors give you a $50 Amazon card. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I love our people, but it's like, sometimes we're begging. It's like, hey, hey, we've got revival, got extra nights for nursery. And they're like, I don't want to be in the nursery. Well, I don't either. That's why I preach. Get a better position in the church. This is simple. You know, so I'm never in the nursery. <laughs> but, but no, I get it. But sometimes I'm wondering, I'm like, we'll, we'll make announcements like, hey, now we got this is really important and we really need this and, and we need people to sign up. And, and I'm going to be honest, here's my philosophy. 
there ought to be a line when it comes to the things of God. You're the preacher, you're going to think that way. I think I have some biblical backing with me. If we're saying God and Christianity is first, I'm talking about small things. You know, your pastor just mentioned, next week, this section's got to move. Okay? Please do it. <laughs> Please. You know, they're, you're bringing some people in that you're going to be witnessing to. But that's a wonderful thing. When it's mentioned, we need a WANA worker, or we need this done, or hey, can somebody help clean on Saturday? Folks, I'm just going to tell you where you're at. If the preacher and the staff have to keep begging people, there's something wrong. I'm just telling you, there's something wrong. The church is, you're the size of our church. We shouldn't have to beg people. We announce it, because you don't know. We're going to announce it. But if you're like, we're just too busy. Are we? Or, or, and maybe we are. Maybe we are. And maybe we've just got ourselves too busy. That the priorities are this. Uh, and I get you're not full-time here. We're not talking about that. But the reality is, like, sometimes we can't give an extra 30 minutes or hour to something important uh, because we've got something else going on. And I do get life, so I don't want to come across too hard here, but I want you to try to see something. This man walking with Jesus thought he was serving great, and Jesus is like, you're about to deny me three times. You're not serving as much as you think you are. You're not where you think you are. And I'm just going to tell you from a pastor's perspective, I love our people. I do, and they, and they work hard, and I appreciate it. But some of them... Some of them think they're farther along than they really are. Matter of fact, there's a lot. Uh, we have a lot of used to. Used to drive a bus. Used to work in a class. Used to, well, I, I don't know when you retire from that. I don't know when as a Christian we stopped. Used to go on outreach. Used to work in the nursery. Used to, whoa, 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 whoa. If that's you, it's time to get back in serving Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know where, but I'm telling you, I've never been to church this size where there's nothing to do. N never. No, no, seriously, there's never been a time someone comes, oh, preacher, man, I'd like to serve. I, no, we're, we're full. Yeah, can I go on outreach? No, we have way too many people doing that. Can I work in the nursery? Oh, no, 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 no. We got a waiting list for that that's five months long. You are not working in our nursery. Can I clean the church? Get out of here. You don't even know how to clean. You seriously, I've never said that in my life. You know, I've never said, okay, stop, folks. Do not sign up for anything else. We are totally packed. I mean, I mean, like, the, we just had a big event. I'm texting our leaders because I'm like, folks, I think we're going to have a, one of the greatest harvests ever, and we did, of souls. Uh, we just had a big event a couple weeks ago. We had 2,000 guests. It took 2,000 guests in two days. I'm going to tell you, that's big, okay? And I'm like, we need people to deal with people. We had like a couple hundred people come forward. You know, it's like with 11 people dealing with a couple hundred people? No. So I'm sending out texts going, hey, we really need you. Well, praise the Lord. I, people responded. We ended up with about 30, 35 people saying, hey, I'll talk to someone about Jesus. I'm like, thank you. But I got to tell you, there, there was a lot of texting a couple days before that going, come on, where are you? You say, why? It's like, you don't understand. This is, this is important. Again, I'm not trying to berate you. I want you to see something. We think we're farther along than we are sometimes. We do a ministry somewhere. We think, I, I've done my time. I'm good. And I want to help you. I think we have to evaluate, am I serving the way I ought to be? Now, I don't want to neglect this other part before I give you some application here. That word converted, I don't mean, believe it means that Peter was lost. But can I tell you? But for some of you, the worst blind spot you'll ever have is the fact that you think you're saved and you're not. Now, let me clarify that a little better because that can be a bad wording. 
let me put it this way. When I say you think you're saved, it's this. You're trusting in your baptism, going to church, being good to get to heaven. Can I tell you? That's not in the Word of God. No, that's not it. If you're like, well, my, I've been baptized. I ask people, hey, you going to heaven? Yeah, I've been baptized. That's not what I asked you. I'm glad you've been baptized. But I'm like, I want to hear I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And there's some people I remember uh, years ago, several years ago, our music director got saved. You know Jose? Yeah, yeah. He finally got saved. That's really good. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if your music director got saved? <laughs> I mean, if Mark would finally get saved, where is he? Oh, there you are. Yeah, if you'd finally get saved, this would be a good life. But he knew he was lost, but he's working for me. He's like, man. I mean, he came from West Coast. Uh, he sang. He was up on stage. And when he, when he made a profession when he was young, he did it, I think, just because his brother went for it. So he knew in his heart he wasn't saved. He knew that, but he was afraid to do anything. So he just kind of lived this way. And finally, he goes to youth camp, and God convicted him. He gets saved there, comes back. He's afraid to tell me. Are you ready? Are you ready? He's afraid to tell me he just got saved. You want to know why? He thought he would lose his job. You know why? We fire staff members that get saved. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> it's just like, well, well, praise God, maybe the music will be better now. I mean, I'm just... But that's what I'm saying. It's like he was leaving in this deception, and finally he came clean, and best thing he ever did. You know, you can grow up in a great church like this, and you're afraid, and you know you're not saved, and you're afraid. Can I tell you? Stop it. There's nothing more important than your salvation. Now, from this, I want to give you just a couple points. So I look at this, and I look at this story, and I, and I love it. We say, what do we get from this? Okay, preacher, if it's a blind spot, well, how am I going to know? That's why they call it a blind spot. You know, well, I think we do know. Here's why. People tell us. What? Oh, come on. We just had a couple of drinks. <clears throat> Men, if you're listening, you know every issue you have. You're like, how? I need to put the dots together. She's sitting next to you. She in some way or form has said it multiple times. Dinner's ready at 5, and oh, you're getting back at 5.15 again. Did you hear the again? That means you do that often. <laughs> yeah, you do that. You gulp your coffee. Never heard that one before. Where'd you learn that? You talk a lot. You know what? You've got an attitude problem. I notice you get angry a lot. Well, where'd you hear that from? The people around you. I'm going to give you the biggest key to learning your blind spot. Ready? Number one. It's deep. <clears throat> Listen. What? No, no. Listen. Your blind spots are pointed out every time by people around you and by the word of God. And I'm convinced we don't listen. James says to be slow to speak, swift to hear. I love that. You know what we are? We're swift to talk, swift to come to conclusions, but we're not slow to speak. No, no, no. We're not slow in, in listening. No, no, we're not. That. No, listen. Don't miss this. We have to listen. We don't listen. No, no, I'm convinced. We don't, we don't listen. We hear it all the time, what's best for our life, what we ought to do. And we don't pay attention to it. You've had people in your face telling you what you need to do, and it goes over your head. I had one of the weirdest counseling sessions ever in my life a couple years ago. I mean, it was weird. Brother. I mean, I get some weird ones. This one, this one topped it. Okay? Over a couple-year time period, I had multiple ladies complain about a guy in our church. It's weird because it was nothing... 
that was majorly concrete. But as you know, when you start getting multiple, so I have a young lady coming in, counseling with the family, and at the end she goes, oh, preacher, I need some advice. I'm doing some work for one of the men in our church, and he's freaking me out. And I'm like, oh, what's he doing? She goes, I don't know, I just get the heebie-jeebies. You know, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's her. I don't know. You know, and I'm like, okay. Well, I said, well, don't be there alone with him. You know, it's like, simple. Take your husband with you. He goes, okay. Another lady comes in and goes, oh, yeah. I don't know, just the way he looks at the women in the church all the time. I'm like, okay, well, again, I, 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 don't, I just never heard this before. When finally somebody from the outside, person who doesn't go to our church, calls me and asks for an appointment. Comes in, exact same man. Where she works at, uh, all the women literally hide from him. So I called the workplace. I actually knew my neighbor worked there. And I called her and I said, hey, this is going to be a little awkward, but I, I need some advice. I said, there's a guy. He goes to our church. And I said, and I'm giving the scenario, she mentions his name. And I said, listen, I'm getting vibes from these women that he's, he's really creepy. And there's nothing concrete. He's not touched them or anything. But it's, you know, it's the things he says and the way he's acting is, I've never had anybody tell me this about men. I'm serious, I've not. I know it's out there, but I mean, nobody in all my years has come to me this way about a Christian man in the church. I'm like, this is amazing. And it started building up. She goes, oh yeah, all the women there, all the women there, uh, we, we help each other. We call each other when he's coming. And we all get busy. And I'm like, I can't ignore that. And I'm like, I'm not sure how to approach this because I don't have anything like he's done this or this, but I'm like, that's too much information. I call him in my office with my associate and I said, hey, brother, we got to talk. I start listing all this. And then I say this, has anybody ever mentioned this to you? And here was a kicker, he goes, no. And I'm like, that's a lie. Because I asked these women, they'd, they'd mention it to him. He's like, no, this is like coming out of nowhere, preacher. I'm just totally shocked. And I'm like, well, here, uh, here's my problem. I'm gonna remove you from every ministry. And until you can come to grips with this and get back with me on what in the world is going on, it's been over two and a half years. Two and a half years. He's sitting in the pastor's office, and I took it down for him and told him, I've never had this happen before. I'm going to tell you something. Something's going on. I said, are you involved in pornography? I said, are you involved in pornography? I said, this, this is weird. I said, something's, no, something's driving this. No, no preacher, no, no, I'm not. I started going down the list of stuff, and I'm like, okay, you're in a bad spot. He comes every single service. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. Are you ready? He still refuses to admit anything, and he still refuses to listen. That's amazing to me, that you have an opportunity to make a change in your life in the best time, and I'm convinced if something doesn't change, he's in for some serious trouble. Now, folks, that's an extreme situation, but here's what I am convinced of. You and I hear from God. We get in the word. We hear from us. No, 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 listen. We go to Sunday school class. We hear all the time about stuff in our lives and things that are happening. And the Holy Spirit, if we're saved, does he not convict us? Do we not get that twinge of that's me and I got to change this and I got to be different because God wants me to be different. And we get those warnings and they fly by and we don't, why? Because we don't listen. We, we just don't listen. And over and over, how many times do we tell young people, live your life for God and surrender to God and do what is right? And they hear message after message, and camp after camp after camp, and yet they'll still make their own choice. You're like, oh, those teenagers, we're doing the same thing. I mean, we're living our life hearing wonderful messages. 
Your pastor studies and presents amazing things. You get the word of God three times a week. And yet there's people that don't grow at all. You should be growing every year. Do you, do you not understand? You should never be the same. You ought to be stronger in 2023 than you were in 2022. Why? Because we are humans and we sin. The reason we don't grow, I'm convinced number one is this. Are you ready? We don't listen. I was playing football. My dad taught us how to listen. We actually won a ball game off of it. My dad had a drill he would do with us as our football coach. And um, he would say fumble during practice. He would throw a ball on the ground and just say fumble. He wouldn't yell it. He wouldn't scream it. He would just say fumble. If you were able to recover that fumble, you didn't have to run all the laps. That was cool. We got so used to listening to his voice. We're in a game one time, and they threw a ball sideways, so it became a lateral. It was actually backwards. This is peewee football. My dad's standing on the line. No whistle was blown. He just goes, fumble, just like that. We stopped, literally ran, got the ball, ran it for a touchdown, won the ball game. Because we were taught in practice over and over, listen to my voice. There's going to be a lot of noises out there. Listen to my voice. Listen. I think we need to get more in tune with his voice. There's so many voices out there. Here's the amazing thing to me. Are you ready? Jesus is talking to Peter, and he says this, Satan's coming. He wants to sift you as wheat. I went, no, wait a minute, don't miss this. Peter's response is, I will die for you. I don't want to attack him, but can I help you? If he was listening, shouldn't he have said, oh, thank you so much. What should I do? What, no, what should I do? I mean, what, what do you mean he's coming for me? I mean, you're like, Satan's coming. Yeah, yes, he is. And you're praying for him. How should I prepare? What, what, what's, what's coming up? But instead he says, I will die for you. Pride comes up. Are you kidding? I'm a Christian. I love God. I... And there's our problem. We're too prideful to bow. We're too prideful to admit what everybody else knows. We have issues. Every one of my problems, everybody in the church knows. Yeah, when I'm an open book, been there 36 years. Are you kidding me? They know my sarcasm. They know my weaknesses. They got it down back. The fact of the matter is, can I help you? When you have an issue, it's not as private as you think. And it's not as quiet as you think. The best thing we will do is be a person that does this. Oh, God, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Allow me to bow. And would you please guide me on what to do next? And last but not least, are you ready? After you listen, change. When thou art converted, when you change, you will strengthen the brethren. No, no, no. Change. Ezra, your wife's sending me some texts. Change. I'm going to have to give you my number because that was a lie. You're going to have to text me right now, okay? You say, no, change. No, 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 no change. Well, well, we need something deeper, preacher. No, that's as deep as we're going to get tonight. I need you to listen and change because the leader of the church who walked for three and a half years with Jesus, one of the greatest men on planet Earth, God chose him and said, you're going to be the one to lead, even with all of his problems. Because why? He did listen and he did change. He did become martyr for Jesus Christ. He became a great leader of the church. Why? Because he learned from this experience. And you're here, when you come to church, folks, you should come with this, man, what do I need? And by the way, you're not going to always get something new. It's not always be mind-bending. You know, sometimes it's just reaffirming and edifying, and man, it's just good to be in God's house. But then there's those days you come and you're like, I need that. 
And I better listen. And not just listen. Are you ready? You heard it. Be a doer of the word. Man, I need to change that. Why? It's important. I don't know what you need. And I'm going to stop here. But I want to help you. I need to change every year. I'm a pastor, and I'm going to tell you right now, there are things in my life every single year that I have to address. Why? Because we live in a wicked world. And I want to listen. That's why I go to national fellowship meetings. And as a preacher, I get preached to, and they rip our face off, and they jump on us because they know preacher sins. And they look at us and go, you're wicked. And we're like, stop it. And then you either walk out going, I don't care what they say. I'm pastoring for 36 years. Listen to them. Or you go, yep, needed that. Thank you. And then you change. You change. The Holy Spirit has talked to some of you tonight. Are you listening? And what are you going to do? You can get up and go out the same way or... We can end this week and say, Lord, I've learned some things this weekend. I'm listening. Change me that I might strengthen the brethren.